Welcome to the Phoenix Infidelity Podcast, the podcast for betrayed men by betrayed men. Here we shed light on the topic of infidelity from a first-hand experience as well as from a professional counseling perspective. If you would like more information on how to book a one-on-one counseling session, just send us an email to info at phoenixinfidelity.com. In today's conversation, we tackle the question of whether one should stay or leave the relationship after having been betrayed. We look at a lot of fascinating statistics that could perhaps help one make an informed decision. We also look at some definite red flags that indicate that the relationship is over, which would hopefully help men not fall victim to the sunk cost fallacy and leave with most of their self-respect intact. I personally found these statistics to be super fascinating and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Ready? We've got work to do. So in today's conversation, we're going to tackle this question of should I stay or should I go? So I think the first question that I have, Anfred, is like, At the beginning stages, it's obvious that everything you decide is out of emotion. So whether you want to pack your bags and fly to another country, or whether you want to fight teeth and nails to death um, to make the relationship work, it's all coming from that emotional instability and, and the trauma. I experienced this in the book. I talk about how Ethan experienced the separation anxiety, you know, fell face flat on the floor, crying out to God saying, I don't want to be alone. And, you know, it's obvious to see that that emotional storm that he was navigating was the motivation for him to, you know, try and work on the marriage. Objectively, in hindsight, looking back, I don't think that was an option at all, and I don't think it was the best decision. But how long do we wait until we can sort of confront this question? Because you don't really know what's going on and what to do and what not to do. What would you say? It's such a very good question. And the thing is that we don't really know exactly what we want in that moment. You know, when you suddenly discover that your your wife or your partner is betraying you, you're just in such a difficult space. It's traumatic. It's very painful. You are confused. You're angry. You're in denial. You're in shock. You're trying to bargain, as we've shared before. And the decision is basically yours. Nobody can tell you what you should do. But the one thing that we want to say is don't make big decisions at this time. Because these kind of big decisions, do I go, do I stay, especially if you decide to go, that's a huge decision. And nobody, um, no counselor or psychologist worth their salt would suggest that you make such a big decision in the moment of betrayal when you've just discovered it, when you are traumatized. And so the the thing that we would say is get healing. You need to heal. You need to recover. You both need to recover. We don't know what the future is going to hold, but your focus shouldn't be on trying to make such decisions at this time. Every person is different. And 
it took me about two months to realize fully that staying together is not an option. Now, a lot of it was motivated by her just showing disinterest. And in the book, I work up to this climax point of the penny dropping, you know, and um, Ethan basically, um, yeah, realizing that it's, it's over and focusing his attention rather on his own healing and his own future. So in my personal experience, in my case, it took about two months to just stand back a little bit and look at the situation objectively. Because I think what also happens, maybe especially with the guys, is they fall victim to the sunk cost fallacy. You know, I've invested so much time into this relationship and to see 16 years just... Um, you know, fall into pieces uh, doesn't really make sense in an investment um, from a, from from an investment perspective. It doesn't make sense. But as soon as the emotions fade, you know, it is a lot easier to look at it more in a totalitarian way and and say to yourself, "Am I going to benefit from this walking away from the relationship?" Yeah, it's a very painful experience. And remember that we have different scenarios in this in the betrayal experience. You have the scenario where the betraying spouse isn't necessarily wanting to repent, wanting showing remorse, but very often the betraying spouse is remorseful and is saying, "Oh my goodness, I made a mistake. I'm so sorry. Let's try and work this out." In that situation, you you generally aren't going to make a decision quickly you wouldn't want to make a decision quickly about leaving the relationship or not because actually your your betraying spouse is remorseful and she wants to make it up to you and she wants to make it work so again that's that one situation then of course there's a situation where the kids are involved and in that case again a couple may say well let's just let's just hang in there and see where we go and, and my advice would be get get help get healing because your relationship can be restored. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, is that it's very difficult to give a generic strategy that applies to all guys that are going through uh, the storm of infidelity. And that's why it's, it's fundamental that you see a counselor that could help you through, through this time. Um, so let's start asking questions about the things that are a little bit more tangible and a little bit more black and white. Okay. Um, the first thing I want to say is once you decide to leave, I think it's important that you stick to your guns. So in my personal experience, I, I talk about this in the book where Ethan makes a decision, again, from an unstable emotional place. And Lisa feels him pulling away and like magic starts pursuing him. And she gets to seduce him and, you know, they, they get to have sex. And it's like in that moment, he doesn't realize that he has given away all his credible power with regards to putting his foot down and drawing a line in the sand and placing limits and boundaries within the relationship and, you know, being taken seriously when making a decision. 
So it's like from that moment on, Lisa has has all the power. Ethan only realizes this much later in the relationship. So what would your advice be with regards to this? I wish that evening when I said we're done because of what you've now revealed about the affair, I wish that I stuck to my guns and just ended the relationship with a lot more self-respect than I did at the end of the day. What, what do you say? You're looking back, you're saying, yes, I should have just stuck to my guns. I should have said we're done and, we'd, and that's it. But maybe she would have decided, hey, I actually do want you. And, and our listeners go through these, go through different experiences. They don't know. Nobody knows what actually is going to happen in the end. And so instead of making big decisions, we simply say, okay, let's work through this. Let's see somebody. And you then go see a neutral person who doesn't know you, who's got experience in this area, and you start working through the process. And in that process, you may discover that actually this has been brewing for a long time and the betrayed your the, the betraying partner has already kind of decided that they want out and then you discover okay we actually need to end it and then you make the decision and in that situation i would agree you stick to the decision you stick to the decision you don't then get let yourself be seduced but but that is normally a couple of months into the recovery process at least three to four months into the recovery process not not even not even within two months unless there's clear a clear sign that the betraying spouse is not repentant is not remorseful then you can make that decision maybe a little bit sooner that's excellent this is what this podcast is all about is helping guys not make the same mistakes and, um, you know, some of the other men that I'm interviewing are also sharing things that they wish they did differently. So hopefully we can be like a beacon of, of hope and light in that regard. We say this with a tremendous amount of understanding for anybody who's been in your situation. For us to say don't make big decisions and you shouldn't have make, made big decisions, we say that with caring and understanding because, you know, in that moment, you're hurting so much. You do make the decision. You make the decision, we're done. I don't ever want to see you in my life again. It's so normal. So while while we're saying it's not a good decision, we're also saying if you've made that decision, if you said that, have grace for yourself. Sure, you've made a mistake, but that's understandable. Everybody makes those kind of mistakes. Don't be hard on yourself about it. So again, I'm going to direct our attention to this book after the affair that we, we spoke about in the previous conversation. And I think these are interesting and fundamental questions that one needs to ask when thinking about moving forward um, and thinking about reconciling at the end of the day. And I'm not going to read all of them. I'll, I'll share links in the description for the readers to do some of their own research. But some of the fundamental questions are things like, once there has been so much damage, can we ever get back together? Okay, so that's one. Uh, now that you've been unfaithful, how can I trust that you won't stray again? Doing what you did, you couldn't possibly love me. So what's the point of going on? How does one begin to answer these questions? Because, you know, once this damage has been done, 
how does one move forward to, to, to begin the conversation of, is this ever going to work again? Where do you start? It's that big question, how can I trust you again after what's happened? If you really love me, would you have done this? Can you, can you really love me? Can we really work it out? How do I know it won't happen again? These are, these are questions which couples, uh, the betrayed, will ask, keep asking. And to answer them, firstly, the first question, can we work it out? Can, can we actually rebuild our relationship? The answer is yes. Yes, you can. Um, is it going to be hard? Yes. Is it going to take time? Yes. Are you both going to struggle? Yes. But it can be done. If you are prepared to be committed to the journey, because the journey is hard, and there are going to be times where you will want to throw in the towel because it's so painful. But it can definitely happen. It can definitely work out. The question, how do I know if this will happen again, if the betray, betrayal will happen again? Well, unfortunately, you don't know. And in the beginning, you don't trust your spouse when they say, I will never do this again. I've hurt you so much. I don't ever want to hurt you like this again. You don't trust them. You don't believe them. And so... While they're saying it will never happen again, it makes sense that you don't believe it for a minute. And so you have the question, how do I know it won't happen again? And the answer is you don't know. You don't know if it will happen again. But what you do know is that there are certain signs that um, will show whether your relationship is strong or weak. And if your relationship is strong, then you can be sure that it's not going to happen again. And there's things that you can do to make your relationship strong. And so you actually have a measure of control about whether or not it will happen again. We've talked about the things that lead to betrayal, and you'll be able to look at, listen to those podcasts again and hopefully get some good advice in how to protect your marriage from betrayal. Could you love me? Could, could you have loved me? Or did you love me at that time? Or the accusation, you couldn't have loved me? And you're right. You weren't being loved. Your, your, your spouse, she didn't love you. She didn't love you if she was betraying you. So for her to say, I, I, but I loved you. No, no, you didn't. You, you might have had some feelings for your husband. You might have had some very strong feelings, but you didn't love him. Because love does not betray trust. Love does not commit adultery. Love does not go into an affair. So... It's a very painful thing to face, that you weren't being loved, you were being betrayed. And then the last question is, what is the point of going on if you didn't love me? And that's a good question. And maybe for you, when you feel a little bit, you decide just for yourself, you know what, I don't want to go on. I've been hurt too much. I wasn't loved uh, in this moment and I, and I don't feel that this is what I want to do and you make the decision that you want to end the relationship but if your spouse is repentant she's she's really remorseful you can see it the she's doing all the right things to rebuild trust she's uh, letting you understand everything about the affair so that you can put the puzzle pieces together then you start saying, well, maybe maybe it is worth it. Maybe we should go on because obviously she's really, she really does care. She really does want to love me. She really does want to do the right thing. And then it is actually worth pursuing the rebuilding of the relationship in the midst of the betrayal, which is still going to be hard, but it is worth it. Okay, so let's start looking at facts and statistics. I did a lot of research. Um, I think uh, a lot of the guys will relate 
to this way of thinking um, because we want to know what the odds are of things working out at the end of the day. So a lot of these stats are based on um, American populations and sample groups. But I think our culture is similar enough to, to draw the comparison and get a good idea of, you know, where we stand with regards to uh, things working out or not. It seems like couples that have gone through infidelity, about half of them after a five-year period get to work through the infidelity at the end of the day. It's a little bit a little bit less. So 53% seem to get divorced after five years of having tried to work through the infidelity. Um, so I guess you could look at it as the glass half full and say, well, it's about 50, you have about a 50% chance, right? However, there is an added layer to that statistic because at the end of the day, when the woman was unfaithful, the relationship has... Uh, is more likely to end in divorce than the other way around. So about 61% of men um, that were unfaithful remain married to the spouse. But that flips to about 44% of women that were unfaithful remain married to their spouse. So you have about 20% less of a chance of the relationship working out if the woman was the unfaithful partner. Now, this is very interesting to me because, you know, we see this coming up in statistics and research papers that I work through. Even in your practice, you've, um, you've mentioned that, you know, men more often are more likely to be remorseful and women not so much. Why do you think it is that you have so much less of a chance working it out if the woman was the one to be unfaithful? It's a great question. And the answer really lies in the reason for the betrayal. And so often in my practice, which as I've perhaps mentioned before, my practice, the statistics of my practice may not um, be exactly the same as the general statistics within the population because of the kind of people who come for counseling as a result of betrayal. But in my practice, very often the betrayal happens within the context of a man not really being the emotionally supportive for his wife. And as a result, the relationship has already eroded. The relationship is already very, very poor. And she's no longer finding her support or love from the man. And at that point, she's open to the advances and the flirtations of another person, of another man. And when someone comes along, she becomes attracted and attached to the support of other man. And this confirms the fact that her own relationship is so poor. And once she becomes emotionally attached and then also physically attached through sexual behavior, she's pretty much cut the husband out of her life. And she's ended in her heart. She's ended the relationship. And so when she does then get found out, it's it's rare that she's going to change her mind and go back to her husband who hasn't been meeting her needs when there is someone actually who has. So I have a, an added theory to what you experience in your practice. And this is also, again, based on this theory of hypergamy where women choose up or across 
the, the sexual marketplace or socioeconomic status. And I know the theory falls flat on its face when a woman has an affair with her overweight, underpaid gardener, which we'll definitely get into those situations. But in my personal experience, what happened was the guy had more money and, you know, had bigger everything. And in terms of that, it feels to me at an unconscious level, the woman is communicating to you that your resources are not good enough and your genetics are not good enough. So you get rejected at a profoundly deep, visceral, animalistic level, which I'm not sure how, how easy it would be to, to reconcile that level of rejection. Um, also related to this, um, in terms of evolutionary psychology, there's this paternity uncertainty that kicks in. Okay, So, I mean, the woman is pretty much sure of who the father is, but men really can't tell. So, you know, there's this innate jealousy wired into us to keep women away from other men in order to um, be certain that, that you're the father. So once that certainty has been taken away from you, yeah, I'm, 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 I don't think it's so easy to reconcile that. So that's just an added layer to why I think it's more improbable um, that the relationship works out if the woman was unfaithful. Well, it definitely makes a lot of sense um, and women, women are not looking to be in relationships that where they're going to be worse off. They're looking to be in relationships where they're going to be happier and financially more stable and where their children are going to be better provided for. And if they don't have children, they're definitely thinking about being in relationships with men who will be able to provide for them well, better than perhaps the previous husband partner was able to so it does make a lot of sense that women would be moving in, a, in an upward direction in terms of choosing an affair partner yeah you know the the irony of this whole situation is that even though the woman thinks she's choosing up the statistics tell us that it's very unlikely that this relationship that was born out of infidelity works out at the end of the day um, according to dr jen halper in her book on successful men, she noted that only 3% of men who engaged in extramarital affairs actually married their mistresses. And according to noted marriage counselor Frank Pittman, men who do marry their paramours have a divorce rate as high as 75%. You know, um, another statistic here says it was found that most affairs don't go beyond the falling in love phase and the short term. Another study that I was looking at, um, the median length of these affairs were about six months. So it ranged from one to 24 months and the median being six months. And the percentage of a long-term relationship forming out of these you know, extramarital affairs is around 10%. So it feels to me like the woman at the end of the day has a perception of choosing a guy that's higher in value um, but at the end of the day that also seems to be an illusion so you know if there are any women listening 
I think it's a good idea to just step back for a second and try and look at it objectively because the odds are not in your favor of this thing working out. Yeah, those those kind of statistics help one to be a little bit more sober-minded in one's thinking because those statistics just tell us that actually the affair that you're in at the moment isn't necessarily going to last, isn't going to end in marriage. In fact, as you said, it's only a 10% chance. So it, it's it's a thing to be aware of. Obviously, we're, we're not really addressing that audience, but it is something to be aware of and, and perhaps it's something that you as the betrayed partner can mention to your spouse or your partner if you're in this situation at the moment and say to them look are you really going to marry this guy is this really going to be your future Um, and look at the statistics and think really carefully about whether you want to leave me for this guy because most guys don't want their wives to leave even if they have been betrayed they love them they don't want to lose them yeah i think especially when kids are involved right um just a, a side note a very interesting statistic that i also found was that the more a woman earns the less likely she is to commit adultery and we're definitely going to talk about that in a different conversation because i'm developing a theory as to why that is true and also as to identify a red flag in your current relationship with regards to that um but it's just coming back to our initial conversation of looking at the odds of this thing working out or not um very important fact and statistic that I found was that it's much more common for somebody to file for divorce after he or she has had an affair, as opposed to one filing for divorce after having found out that your spouse has had an affair. So it basically speaks to this thing of most people have already, you know, decided the relationship is over. Um, once they enter into infidelity. Um, There's another statistic that I found that states a couple is three times more likely to divorce um, when infidelity was introduced into the relationship. So it is is a relationship killer, that's for sure. I'm going to throw another important statistic at the guys, and this is maybe not as obvious as you thought, Um, But 46% of people, at least in the States, 46% of people believe that infidelity should always lead to divorce. Now, why is that important? Because you have to realize that you will be judged by society. And I think this is especially true if the man decides to stay because, you know, it's his masculinity is under attack and the ego is under attack. And... um, I think there's societal pressure for him to say, no, I'm not going to continue a relationship with a whore or whatever society you know, throws, throws at him. I think it does make a lot of sense to have that pressure from society. And also your ego has been really hurt, it's been bruised, and you feel that you can't go on in a relationship where this has happened. You're, you're angry and you want to you want your power in a sense you want your power back so it makes sense that one wants to kind of make those kind of decisions and it makes sense that that would happen 
I think definitely society does need to ease up a little bit on the pressure. But at the same time, you're fully justified to end the relationship should you be the victim of betrayal. And so there shouldn't really be pressure on you to do to make the decision one way or the other. The only thing that we recommend is to hold that decision until you are in a better space and then to make the decision. As we said, the relationship can be restored. Is she going to betray you again? We don't know. So there's so many unknowns. There's so many pains. And if you make the decision to end the relationship, no one can point a finger at you and say that was unwise or that was wrong. So let's move our attention to the red flags that indicate that the relationship is almost certainly over. In the book After the Affair, it talks about one or two or three things that are, you know, almost non-negotiables. One of these would be narcissism. These are people that um, completely disregard your needs physically and emotionally. And sociopaths, obviously, who fall into maybe the category of physical abuse. And interestingly enough, it also talks about people with this histrionic personality disorder. So these would be people that behave in a theatrical, overly dramatic manner and are sexually provocative in inappropriate ways. So flirting in front of their partner with with other people, etc. I think these are big red flags and should indicate that it's maybe better for you to move away and pull away from these um, from this person. Yeah, I I would like to say that a big thing to look at is are your needs being met? Are your emotional needs being met? You're in the space where you're hurting, you've been betrayed, you're traumatized and you have huge needs. And if your spouse or partner is willing to meet those needs and is willing to get help to meet them, then there's no reason why you should end the relationship. But the red flags are flying high if your needs are seemingly disregarded, if their needs become bigger than your needs, and if they're getting angry when when you want to raise something, if they become impatient because you want to speak about your pain. Those are big red flags. And if your spouse or partner is not getting help to deal with their inability to be supportive of you and to be able to meet your needs, they're not will. It means they they're not willing to make the relationship work, and that that is emotional abandonment. On top of the betrayal, we now have emotional abandonment as well, and so those are big red flags, and that indicates that this relationship is not not going well. Is not getting healed. That's exactly what I wanted to add to the conversation. Is the big ones. Um, that you find on all you know all the websites is um, no remorse that we talked about in our previous conversation and if the spouse is not willing to go for counseling so i think big red flags on that on that front some interesting worldviews or belief systems about marriage that i think one needs to look at before moving forward are things like my partner and I should feel a deep unspoken bond at all times. Okay, so these are things that maybe the unfaithful spouse has bought into that are illusions in terms of long-term relationships. And these are worldviews that, if not changed, 
I think, indicate that it's not safe to be with this person. They might say things like, I shouldn't have to work for love. You know, I shouldn't have to work to be trusted or I deserve to be loved. And chemistry is either right or wrong. And my partner should love me unconditionally. My partner should be emotionally available whenever I need um, at whatever time. Love is a feeling that can't be forced or manufactured. It either exists or it doesn't. You know, a good marriage is free of conflict. Uh, if I'm not happy in my relationship, it's my partner's fault. And when passion dies, so does the relationship. Do you ever hear things like this in your counseling room? I sometimes hear some things, but I want to quickly just speak to some of the things that you've said. I mean, that list of things that people may subscribe to are really fallacious. I mean, they are that, that those are inaccurate because that's not how the, that's not how marriage works. Marriage, marriage is work. You don't always feel it. You sometimes have to work really hard. The chemistry goes. You don't feel in love. When you have kids and they are pooping and crying and, um, you know, just feeding like every three hours, I'm telling you, there's no great feelings of love. And um, you're tired. You're exhausted. And at that point, the chemistry has gone but there's a commitment. There's a commitment that says, I love my wife, although we haven't had sex for three weeks, although I'm dead tired, although she's snappy, although she's got postpartum depression. I'm not feeling anything at the moment, except I'm totally committed to her because we have a child together. And while this is really hard at the moment, it's going to get better. And and that's what keeps couples together. And, and that's what makes marriages strong. Yeah, and I think that's the type of person you want by your side and the, the type of person that makes you feel safe at the end of the day. One last thing to point out is that if you're thinking of staying, um, I think a good conversation to have with your spouse is talking through these illusions and hearing out exactly what she believes in terms of what a relationship should look like. So as an example from after the affair, this book that we're looking at, um, the author had a conversation with a woman and it, it went like this. So what don't you like about your lover? And she responds, absolutely nothing. And so she gets asked, so what do the two of you fight about? And she responds, we don't. <laughs> and she gets asked, when you look into the future, what conflicts do you expect to arise between the two of you? And she responds, I can't think of any. So, I mean, she's completely bought into this romantic fairy tale that is an illusion. And if you're dealing with a person like that, I don't even know if, if it's worth having the conversation, at least not at that moment, because it's impossible for you to compete with what that person is now feeling. We've spoken about the halo effect. So it's impossible for you um, as the long-term relationship, quote-unquote, boring husband to compete with those feelings of desire and passion and affection and limerence. Absolutely. You don't stand a snowball's chance in hell to rebuild the relationship at that point because your wife is seeing the affair partner through these rose-tinted glasses. And those rose-tinted glasses are going to affect 
any every every conversation that you have, you're not going to be able to speak any sense into her. At the moment, she's thinking she's met Mr. Perfect, and that's a conversation that you don't need to waste your time on. Yeah. I hope we've given our listeners hope, but at the same time, help them to, you know, think objectively about what they could expect in terms of reconciliation. And we're definitely going to talk about trust. And we got a lot more to explore, a lot more to discuss. And I'm so thankful for your time. I'll see you in the next one, Anfred. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Goodbye. If you would like more information on how to book a one-on-one counseling session, just send us an email to info at phoenixinfidelity.com.